Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. And today we are talking about a paranormal topic, which I feel like I never get to introduce the paranormal topic, so I'm super excited <laughs> to be able to introduce it, which is fine. It's I love true crime too, so we're going to be talking about the Octagon Hall, which I did not know anything about until I started researching. So Same, same. Learn stuff. Yay. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Girls. If you want to hang out with us on a deeper, more personal level, we are very active in our Facebook group. It is Three Speed Girls Official. We have tons of stuff going on in there, like book club, all sorts of fun things. I think we're right in the middle of a mug swap, lots of fun stuff. So definitely mm-hmm. check it out. Yeah. If you want to help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked curls. For little as a dollar, you can get extra bonus content each month. We do an extra bonus episode for our dollar patrons. And then as it goes up, you get more. $2 and up, get three extra episodes a month. $5 and up, get video content. And if you're a $10 patron, you actually get to pick and have a designated episode here on the main feed. So if you want to check that mm-hmm. out, you can head over to the show notes or like I said, patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. Before we get into the main content, we're going to take a quick promo break, and we'll be back in a moment. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do, too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky. Well, welcome back from that promo break. We hope you enjoyed it. And we are going to dive right into the content. I'm going to be handling the history and then Tara is going to tell us about the haunts. But before we do that, this week's drink is a dirty Shirley. 
head to our socials or head to our Pinterest and check it out because we have like all of them on there. And yeah, it's a good time over there. Definitely check it out. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the Octagon Hall, which there has never been a building more appropriately named than this because it's literally <laughs> right? an octagon. It has eight fucking sides. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard, when I was like, this is the most extra house ever. <laughs> right? When I saw the picture for the first time, I was like, oh, they named this literally. Okay. <laughs> right. I thought I was going to have this like super like spooky thing. Like I was trying to think like, what is octagon and like the paranormal or like witch lore or something like that. No, literally is an octagon. Mm-hmm. And it is in Simpson County, Kentucky, which is near Franklin, Kentucky. The address is 6040 or 6040 Bowling Green Road, Franklin, Kentucky. Zip code is 42134. Don't know why you'd need that, but you might want to look it up. And there it is. <laughs> I mean, they might want to go there. You never know. True. It is open. Mm-hmm. Their business hours are Wednesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And then they take a break and come back at 1 to 3.30. So it is a very short window of opportunity. It's a museum now. So if you wanted to go see it. Oh, and it is closed all major holidays. So if you're thinking about making like a fun trip at like Thanksgiving or something, they will not be available for you. So the house was built by a man named Andrew Jackson Codwell, not Andrew Jackson, the president. No, different. Different man. Equally as poop, but it's okay. (laughs) And his wife, Harriet Morton Codwell. And they had several hundred acres of farmland and they decided to build a house. At the time, it was on Nashville Road, U.S. Route 31 West, as it used to be known. It is now obviously Bowling Green. So a little different. They started the process. They laid the foundation in 1847. And it would be then occupied by his wife and their daughter, Mary Elizabeth. Fun fact about Andrew is that he was a U.S. representative from Tennessee, not Kentucky. (laughs) I don't want to admit how long I like spiral searched that to be like, wait, it says it's Kentucky, but it's from Tennessee. Yeah, it's. From what I read, it's like on the border, which I totally understand because I used to live on the border of Alabama and Georgia. And it's like literally you just drive like two seconds and you're in one state. Driving two seconds, you're back in the other state. And then there's two time zones. So it, it gets confusing. Oh, yeah. For you especially. <laughs> but I just thought it was really interesting. I was like, wait, no, I'm pretty sure if you're a representative, you have to live in that state, like in your district. <laughs> Mm. But this was also the 18, like, 40s, 1850s. Things may have been different. Yeah, I was going to say that rule probably may not have existed back then yet. Who knows? It's Who true. Knows? Maybe they're like, this is why. <laughs> also, <laughs> it could be that this is where he was going to retire. Who knows? Mm. So basically, Codwell wanted his house to, like, stand out to everyone around him. He wanted the extra looking house. So he decided to talk to this guy with the name of Fowler. And he came up with this, like, unique design. And which I thought was interesting, is that it is only eight sides on the outside, not on the inside. On the inside, it's a regular fucking house. Mm -hmm. So everyone is aware. It took 12 (laughs) years to complete it. They completed it in 1859. And they did it by like stages. So obviously they did like the basement first because you kind of have to. Otherwise, it's annoying. And then the first story, and then they did the second story, and then they did the facade on the outside. Fun fact, the foundation is limestone, so that's super fancy. Each one of the sides is 13 feet and 4 inches. And then the actual floor, like each floor, is about 876 square feet. So basically like my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) 
It is a two and a half story brick house, which is the half is the basement. But the basement was really active as far as like what they used it for. Like it was very functional. The brick was laid three deep on the exterior wall and the inside was like plaster and stuff. While the Octagon Hall was very stylish, it was actually very well crafted. And I should say that, like, they didn't lay all of the brick on the facade like this. It's only the first, like, three. (laughs) Like, so when you walk up, it's like the first three and then the rest, it's going to be known as a common pattern, brick pattern or common bond. But Mm. it was something called a Flemish bond. And basically, the definition of that is in bricklaying, you're arranging the bricks. They're, like, alternating. So, like, think of how I picture it as... When you think of like platform nine and three quarters, how the bricks are like, they're not like in a row. They're kind of like stacked or, you know what I'm saying? And they don't use the same color. Mm -hmm. It's all like, Mm -hmm. yeah. There will be a photo of it on the sources page. When you link to the description of what it is, you'll see it because I found the definition. So you guys will be able to see what that looks like if you so choose. And so that was on the outside. But like I said, it was only on the first three. So all he cared about is like when you walked up, like he didn't care what you saw from behind. It was just when you, I'm assuming, rode up on your horse, you were like, that's mighty pretty. (laughs) It just kind of reminds me of like, movie sets where it's like here's the house but it's really like only piece of cardboard it's like that's kind of how i feel about this house Mm -hmm. it just made me think like this is the mullet of houses because it's the the greatest thing i've ever heard it's the mullet of houses (laughs) i love that so much you're welcome (laughs) no i don't think i'm ever going to recover from that like randomly i'm just going to (laughs) think of the mullet of houses so to get into the house you have to climb eight limestone steps that face west and then you walk into the front door and then when you walk in it's like a very small or like they called it a shallow entry hall i don't know what that means i'm assuming not deep (laughs) 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 makes sense to me and it would lead you directly into the parlor that was off to the right and then off to the left was the dining hall and there were no hallways on the bottom floor so like every room just kind of led to a different room but it wasn't like you were gonna like walk down a specific way however in the basement there were but we'll get to that in a minute so these two rooms would occupy over like just over half of the bottom story so it's a pretty significant space mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm waving my hands around like you all can see me but tara <laughs> but i am i can see you that's all that matters right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like tara i'm describing it to you you get it okay <laughs> And they were connected by the large door on a common wall. So instead of being like a hallway, it was like, let's just put up a partition and a door. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, like in a way it makes sense because think about like how many times you're like, I have a hallway and it's such unused space. Because like, especially 90s homes. Oh, yeah, for sure. They were like, how do we make most of the house hallways? (laughs) Literally. Oh, my God. (laughs) You want a 12 foot hallway? We got you. Mm -hmm. Do you want a three foot bedroom? That's perfect. And then when they were first built, when they were building the upper level, the back two rooms were used as bedrooms, but eventually would be moved upstairs. And one of the back rooms would be the staircase to go upstairs. And it was said to be a steep set of stairs. There were no like safety regulations. I feel like if this house was built today, it would have what they call witch steps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like they would be like, "Mm, how do we make it extra? I know. Make people take ridiculously large one step at a time. (laughs) It's fine. And then the two rooms in the back eventually became like what they called a traveler room, which was for overnight male overnight guests. I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. Is it the room for the soldiers that they had hiding? I think like at the time, like if you were a man who traveled on your own, like I think men did a lot of traveling by themselves, if that made sense. 
So basically, I feel like because men traveled on their own a lot, and I think it was also like that way they would be downstairs and away from the rest of the family. Whereas like maybe like a sister or a cousin or a mom would probably be upstairs sleeping in a family member's room. Mm -hmm. Whereas like maybe an uncle traveling on their own, they're like, what are you doing, sir? And then the other space, because there's four rooms downstairs, became Codwell's study or office or whatever you want to call it. They had two different kitchens. There was a summer kitchen, which was detached and outside. And then there was a winter kitchen, which was in the basement. But going down into the basement, this is where they actually had hallways because it would lead to different parts of the basement. Like it would take you directly out to the rear of the house or into the four rooms that were down there. And one of which is a winter kitchen. And it was food storage, fuel storage, and a workroom and other things. In the upstairs, there was a closet. The closets were upstairs in the bedrooms, if that makes sense at all. So yeah, so when you went upstairs, like what was towards the front of the house was divided into closets and a small sitting room. There's this thing called the octagonal coppola, which was originally like the cap of the house, like the roof of it, but it wasn't like a regular roof and it would create an internal airflow, but there was a fire and they decided not to replace it. Like I mentioned before, they had a summer, the summer kitchen, which was outside. I assume it's just like a brick stove type thing. Yeah, I would assume. Mm -hmm. And it was like an open hearth that they would cook in. So the Codwell family, while they were living there, had a little bit of tragedy that happened to them, including something that happened in the winter kitchen, which is that their daughter, Mary Elizabeth, was playing. She was seven years old and she was playing with her cousin and her dress caught fire and she ended up burning to death, which is so sad because she's so little. Yeah. Now, this place didn't have like the nice history we like to hear about in old places because, again, we're looking at the time as 1859, 1856. We're looking at the start of the Civil War and it was Kentucky. So it was, you know, Confederate country. In fact, Bowling Green, which is where it's very close to this area, was in fact the Confederate capital. And when it was evacuated on February 18th, 1862, Mr. Codwell, or Andrew Codwell, who was a pro-Confederate person, Mm -hmm. decided that the house could be used as sanctuary in a hospital. I do want to note that it was used as a hospital for both sides, not just the Confederate, but if you were a Union soldier, you you would also be treated there. So while they were there, there was like 10,000 troops that were camped on their property, which is a lot of men. Yeah. And basically the Union soldiers came in and ran them out. Gotcha. I'm assuming that there were many deaths on this property involving this. Not just because like a hospital, you have to think about like wounded soldiers. Right. If you've never studied the Civil War, just like the way that medicine happened was like horrific. Like you didn't have anesthesia. You just bit down on a piece of wood, a leather strap, Mm -hmm. and they took a limb. I have a feeling it's kind of got like that Gettysburg vibes to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Andrew Godwell would not live forever, thank God, because <laughs> he <laughs> died in 1866. And his widow, Harriet, would live in Octagon Hall until she ended up selling it in 1918. So it's like a fucking long ass time to live there by herself. Yeah. Someone math that for us. It's at least to like 1906 would be 40 years. 
So like that's 50. <laughs> she lived like a whole lifetime without him. Yeah. Wow. And then in 1918, Dr. Miles Williams, who was an osteopath from Nashville, bought it and he moved in and made it his residence until he died in 1954, at which time his heirs made it a rental property and rented it out. It stayed a rental property from 1954 to 2001. Wow. Which then the Octagon Hall foundation was formed and obtained the building and turned it into the museum it is now it's old (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i'm kind of glad it's made of brick because i don't think it would have stayed if it wasn't Mm -mm. no not at all Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for you, our spooksters. Use code SPOOKEDGIRLS to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million people who trust Manscaped. They're here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it is time for some spring cleaning. Have you heard of their weed whacker? This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs around those delicate places. No more gross nose hairs flying in the wind. And the premier Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene and feeling fresh. Speaking of smelling fresh, complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. This stuff is legit. Matt got it a while back and it smells so good. It's literally my new favorite and it's all he's been using. I can honestly say that I enjoy it too because Thomas has it and I love the smell and so therefore he likes it because I like the way he smells and really isn't that what men want is their women to like the way they smell so it's definitely approved by us. Right? It's so good. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPOOKEDGIRLS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SPOOKEDGIRLS at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning baby. You and your balls will thank you. So now I'm going to hand it over to Tara, and she's going to tell us about the haunty haunts of this old estate. Yes. Okay. So you guys know I love to give you the titles on these haunted places every fucking time. The Octagon Hall is dubbed one of the most haunted places in the South. There's a fuck ton of haunted places in the South, so that's a pretty big claim there. Right? Just say it. (laughs) But I'm here for it. I'm here for it. The OG Ghost Hunters team actually investigated there, which made me so damn happy. I hadn't watched that show in years. I literally feel like the last time I watched it was with you, Jess. (laughs) When we used to like watch it and then get on the phone and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been a minute. So if you have Discovery Plus, they have literally all the episodes. And this specific one, I put what episode and what season it is on the sources page for you guys if you want to watch it. Okay, so like just said, the foundation and everything bought it and the owner, his name is Billy Bird, and he stated that the activity really ramped up at Octagon Hall once they started the renovations, especially once they came across a tunnel and crawl space that they had unsealed. (laughs) Yes. Most of the ghost stories here seem to be associated with the Caldwell family. There was reported to be one instance where the smell of flowers 
flowers and the smell of decay came out of nowhere in Octagon Hall on the anniversary of Mr. Caldwell's death. So that's kind of scary and gross at the same time. He's just extra like all the time. He's like, here's something delightful. Oh, wait. Remember, I'm dead. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's just like when a 12-year-old boy like who's just like going through puberty hits that like Axe body spray time where it's like, I'm just going to like the first thing you smell is Axe and then it's just B.O. It's like that's what he was bringing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. So their motion detectors have triggered alarms tons of times, which, of course, course, there's like security system type of things. Those contact the police, right? So they go out there and they said they'd always find the house locked up, secure, nothing wrong. So they're like, what the fig? And disembodied voices have popped up on digital recorders placed in the room, which interestingly, but not uncommon, these voices were not heard at the time of recording when like a team is in there asking questions. And there, some of the notable ones were recordings of voices saying, leave that alone. And there was also recordings caught next to Mary Elizabeth's grave of a young girl crying mommy. And it makes me so sad. Aww. Yeah. It just breaks my heart. And, you know, when they got these, they're like, they make sure, you know, are there any kids in the area? No, there's literally nothing. And then speaking of kids, so with the day tours, if you're 12 and up, you can go. So some kids have been here. And some kids have said they have seen other children in historical costumes oh, God. playing in and around the home. But all the adults never saw it and are like, what the fuck? So that's fun. there's beds there that are part of the historical exhibits. They're not anything anybody should be sleeping in, but they do sometimes find like impressions in the mattresses or what have you of like a body, like someone laying there. So that's also creepy. But imagine being the ghost, (laughs) like laying there. They're like, I'm just trying to nap. (laughs) You like look up and there's a person being like, there's an ending, like, and they're probably touching. So they're like, why are you touching me? (laughs) (laughs) Poor ghost. Volunteers have said to see shadowy figures all around the place as well. One said that she saw a shadow figure in the hospital room in that it looked like it was staring at her and then essentially rushed at her and she felt it go through her like she felt the wind through at her face type of thing. And then so she like turned around really quick and this mass just like went down the stairs super fast. Not liking that. Not liking that. And then another volunteer, his name is Keith, he said that he saw a shadowy figure as well in the second floor hallway. And he said that it kind of stepped back into the shadows of like a room where the light was off. So he's like, what the fuck? He thought like someone was fucking around. So he went to that room and was going to reach in to turn the light on and he felt something hit him. (laughs) They're, like, not liking people touching their things. <laughs> Goes like, do not. Do not turn on this light. <laughs> Probably the ones that were napping. You know, you know. Right? They're like, fuck, these people. <laughs> and on top of that, doors open and close on their own. Objects have been seen to fly across the room. Photos that were on the walls would also, like, shake and then fall off by themselves. Like, no earthquakes or nothing. They're just, ghosties are knocking them off, I guess. So, when all of this activity started coming up, they put some night vision cameras in there and obviously recorded it. And they did catch a 
white, wispy type of mass, but this would actually be debunked by ghost hunters. The team took a look at the footage and they were able to determine it was actually just a spider web. It wasn't any entity. Oh. Yeah. I wonder how many like photos are out there where people are like, this is a ghost and it's just like, y'all need to dust more. Probably. Probably. Who knows? And another occurrence that they debunked was that there seemed to be like a light anomaly a lot in a certain room, but when they were testing it, they were able to figure out since the road was nearby, it was headlights and it was just reflecting weird in there. So, you know. And even though they debunked some of this stuff, they actually do get a lot of activity. And I'll get into that in a minute because I do have to talk about it because I was like so happy to watch them. Uh, for the first time in like a decade. But I was reading some articles about this and one was talking about the experiences Billy, the owner, had and also a a different paranormal investigator who had been there, which, fun fact, according to their website, they've had over 250 paranormal investigation teams come visit there. That's a lot. It is a lot. So... Billy actually said he was a skeptic of the paranormal and all of that until he said he saw Mary Elizabeth down in the basement and he said, quote, I assumed that some of the tourists had stopped and the little girl had come in and I said, hun, can I help you? And the best way I can describe it is that she turned away from me and basically encapsulated herself and then just poofed into black dust. I'm sure it took me about 10 minutes to get my jaw off the floor, end quote. Uh, yeah. I would be like, what the fuck just happened? She's so shy. Right? I know. I just want to, like, hug her. Makes me sad. And the other paranormal investigator I had mentioned, her name was Maria Duff. She had an interaction with an entity that she believes is a Confederate soldier named Jerome Clark. And about her encounters with him, she said, quote, He was a spy. He would dress up as a woman, and his nickname was Sue Mundy. He didn't particularly like the name here in the house, so we always try to call him Jerome Clark. But that is his gun, and I think that's the reason why he is here, like it's displayed in the house. Oh. Or in the museum, I should say. Sorry. But I want to circle back to this crawl space and tunnel, okay? Yes. So they found the crawl space because they noticed in the foyer, which now that you explain the construction makes sense, you know, like the walls didn't totally line up, right? And so Billy's like, okay, it's either because of how the structure is outside or there's something more to this. So they like, I think they like knocked on it, he said, and it was like hollow. So they're like, what the fuck? So they, you know, they're renoing already. So they just like broke it in. and. Found the crawl space, which is super creepy. This was actually a way for soldiers to drop down and hide. And there was actually like in the hospital part, there was a Mm -hmm. closet it connected to. So that way he could help Confederate soldiers hide from like Union soldiers or whoever was coming for them or what have you. I was like, oh, okay, okay. All of this activity, like amped activity and what they said as aggressive behavior really started to happen with the crawl space and then that little tunnel thingy. And it really worried Billy. He, you know, not only worried about himself, but he was worried about his volunteers and his family and just, you know, everybody working there, being there. So this is why he reached out to the ghost hunters team was because he wanted answers. He had told them that if the entities wanted the areas, you know, reclosed off, sealed back up, he would do it. You know, he didn't want to upset them. You know, he's trying to be respectful. That's really nice. Yeah. And I mean, what I have always really liked about the ghost hunters team is that they're very respectful. Like, I get the feeling it's actually genuine, like that they really want to help these entities or, you know, try 
try to figure out ways for the living to like be respectful of things. Like, don't get me wrong, I do love Ghost Adventures too, but like Ghost Hunters is just extremely more, I don't want to say more empathetic, but kind of. I don't know. They just have a different approach. I think that they're those have yeah, they have two completely different approaches mm-hmm. where people get really excited to see Zach like stir shit up. Whereas yeah. like Ghost Hunters, I've always felt as more like they're they try to heal the situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zach is like, let's see what we can get, what we can capture. Yeah. Whereas like Ghost Adventure or Ghost Hunters is like they don't care if they get anything. It's like if they can help then that's what they do. Oh, yeah. Because in this episode, there was a couple little places where like, you know, nothing happened. But (laughs) I won't spoil the whole episode because like I said, if you got Discovery Plus, like go fucking binge it. But there's one instance that was like hella funny. So Tango and Steve, they were in the basement. They're my favorite together. I think it was. And did you watch it? No, but they're just like the two of them have always been like when they paired up, I was like, they're my favorite pair. Oh my God, right? Okay, so there's like this mannequin and they're both talking about like how it's super creepy and shit. And then fucking... fucking tango's like so steve what would you do if it just like jumped up and tried to attack you would you run or would you kick it then run or would you just kick it and attack it and then like literally the minute they're laughing and talking about this the fucking door behind them closes by (laughs) itself I always love things like that when they're like, oh, shit, we shouldn't talk shit about the ghost. Yeah, it's like, uh, don't mock me, bitch. And then poor Steve again. <laughs> Him and Jason are in the children's room. And it was so weird. Like, it's funny, but it was like so weird in the moment, not knowing what's going to happen next. Jason got all serious to him. And he's like, Steve, you know how much I care about you. You are a true friend and you trust me and all like he's about to tell him like something fucking serious. And he's like, uh, yes. And he takes off his shoe and hits him in the back because there's this big ass bug on him. <laughs> and then Steve is like screaming. He's like, get it off. I love it. <laughs> so fucking funny. Random but funny. I had to mention it. I was like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so they do pick up a young girl's voice in the basement. She sounds sad and distressed and like crying and stuff and just really sad. And they figure it is probably Mary. And then the most memorable one out of the whole episode is they pick up a male entity's voice that said, don't forget about us, which is so sad if you think about it. Yeah. They concluded with Billy, you know, this was probably one of the soldiers and they because like they were asking like, you know, do you want Billy to seal it up, blah, blah, blah. And basically they took it as, you know, they don't want them to. They're not doing this activity to be scary. They're doing this so people will know they're there and then remember them. Right. If you think about it for like over 100 years, they were sealed in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really sad. But it was like, damn, that was so much deeper than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) But yeah, I just thought that was a lot deeper and sadder than what I expected. But I like that they showed this, you know, because it's not always something malicious and demony and scary Uh haunting places, you know. So yeah. And like just said, just some little tidbits on the place if you would like to go visit if you're local or nearby. Their tours, the day tours are $5 a person, ages 12 and up, like I mentioned. And then the days and times Jessica mentioned earlier, that is what they're 
are opened, but they also do paranormal investigations and events, which is cool. And they have it as like novice or like it didn't say professional team, but like if you are an actual investigative team, they have different things on their website. So for the paranormal investigators, I kind of just played around with it and I punched in random group numbers. So I did like four people and I went up to like five or six and that's $300, which actually isn't bad. And even when I jumped to like seven, it was only like an additional $50. So not too bad. That, yeah, that's not bad at all. Mm-mm. And what you actually get if you're an investigative team and you book this, you get full access to all of Octagon Hall and the grounds and everything. And you have access to it from 3.30 p.m. to 7 a.m. the next day. All of the property, like I said, which includes all of the outbuildings and two cemeteries. Nice. And any captured paranormal activity from Octagon Hall recorded during this, like on their equipment, they will give you that too if you want, I think is what it was saying. Their rules are you can't have anybody there under the age of 18, no alcohol, no hunting, and no metal detecting. Now the novice events, so for just, you know, regular paranormal enthusiasts like I guess. I don't know if this is just because of COVID or because it's the off season, but what I noticed when looking at the calendar, it looks like they do something, they do an event like once a month you can buy tickets to. Mm. And I kind of looked at a couple of the past ones. So in February, there was a public paranormal investigation with the team and it was from seven to midnight and they did tickets and stuff. So you could like be in there with them. So that's cool. And then they did one last month in March and it was a, actually it was a little different. It was a two day event and this actually featured another haunted location as well called Old Stone Jail. And this two-night event was from 7.30 to 1.30 a.m. both nights. And the first day was, of course, at Octagon Hall. And then, like, if you look on there, there are tons and tons of events during October, of course. So, yeah, it's it's really cool. And, like, the October events, it's like, I think the tickets are a little bit more, but it's like 50 bucks. But, I mean, if it's something really spooky and it's kind of special, like, it seems worth it to me for sure. So, yeah, that's our spookiness to this episode. Yes. And I want to tell you guys that, like, while Tara was talking, the power went out at my house. <laughs> so she's sitting in the dark. <laughs> I'm literally in the dark. Thank God what we record with is local and that Tara and I are FaceTiming. <laughs> but it made it all the more spooky. She's, like, telling me this and it's, like, flickering. The, I'm like, oh, God. Yay. But oh, my god. Anyway. Yay. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I guess this is as good a time as any to say bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>